Good morning, North River. It's always great to be together virtually on Sunday mornings. And we're going to continue in our, our theme of fixing our eyes on Jesus, practicing the way today. But first, you know, I got a haircut. <laughs> so yes, two weeks ago, Nick Schaff and I shaved our heads for Bald for Bucks. You know, we were raising money for COVID relief uh, for, through Hoop Worldwide. And I guess the good piece that come, came out of that is Toya, you know, liked the way I look bald. She said, man, if I go bald one day, she'll still have a fine husband. So there you go. <laughs> but before we jump into our practice for today, I did want to stop and, and kind of just ask, how you doing with the practices we've gone over? You know, we've looked at study of the word and community and silence and solitude so far. And the truth is, guys, is that we live in an information age. And what I can get worried about is if our preaching of the word and our Bible study is becoming just another piece of information that we consume. And that if we consume this information on Sunday mornings, but then by Sunday night, we've consumed like five other different things. And then it's just gone one in here and out the other. Guys, this is supposed to be something we practice doing. It's a lifestyle that we live to abide in Jesus. So even if you don't knock out all of them, man, pick one of these practices and don't let it just be another added piece of information, but do something about it and put it into practice. But we are going to jump in right now and we've talked about several different concepts that fight against us practicing the way of Jesus. You know, Chase last week really talked about distraction, how we can get so distracted and how hard that makes it to practice silence and solitude. And man, that distraction is so real. And man, we've talked about work and, and, and our American culture and how it, it's just filled with an addiction to accomplishment. And there's a reality that our culture it has an unquenchable lust for more that we all get sucked into. And as disciples, we live in this constant tension from our work and our families and from our phones and God. And we live in this constant tension. And the truth is, is that work is not bad. It's actually good. Work is great. I mean, God worked to create the universe. Jesus even said that, you know, I work and my father's working and we're made in the image of God. Work, work is amazing. But how do we work in a God glorifying way instead of in a work glorifying way? Is there a practice of Jesus, a habit of Jesus that can free us from this tension and allow us to put everything in its proper place. And man, if we're looking at Jesus, man, oh, of course there is, right? And today we're talking all about Sabbath. We're gonna be focusing on Sabbath rest. So you can go over to Mark chapter two, this is where we're gonna jump in. You know, Jesus as a Jewish man would have practiced Sabbath every week of his life from the time when he was a boy, learning it from Mary and Joseph through his teenage years to when he was an adult, a weekly Sabbath would have been such a huge lifestyle and habit for him. And there's many stories all throughout the gospels of Jesus on the seventh day. And here in Mark chapter two, we don't have time to go into the whole story, but basically the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, 
that had completely missed the heart of God about Sabbath were looking at the way Jesus and his disciples were practicing Sabbath, and they were condemning Jesus for the way he practiced. And so Jesus responds with this in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It's a short rebuke, but an incredible teaching from Jesus. Then Jesus said to the Pharisees, in verse 27, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And we've read this before, and but a lot of times I think we can misread it. So in context, right, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, these, these religious leaders that had created a legalistic, guilt-ridden religiosity, actually mainly based around the Sabbath. And to these guys that had so missed the heart of God, I think the second part of that first sentence is to them. And he's, re- and he's rebuking them saying, you know, man was not made for the Sabbath. You don't worship the Sabbath. Everything that you're doing, you're acting like Sabbath is Lord. No, something better has come. Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. Something's better than Sabbath has come to you now. But fast forward 2,000 years later to where we're at, we're with the Sabbath, we're about as far away from the Pharisees as physically possible. We don't live in a guilt-ridden, legalistic culture around the Sabbath. Most of us don't practice the Sabbath. Half of us can't even explain what it is. So I think the first part of this statement would be what Jesus would say to modern-day Christianity, that Sabbath was made for man. And he'd remind us that Sabbath is this incredible gift for us to replenish us, to to give us rest, to refuel us. And you know, Toy and I have experienced this gift for about the last year and a half. 2019, in so many ways, was the year of the Sabbath for us. And that's when we started Sabbath and we practiced it on Mondays. And every Monday I would read like three or four scriptures on Sabbath, study them out, meditate, journal on them, try to go deeper, listen to podcasts until I went through every, until I'd studied out every scripture in the Bible on Sabbath. And man, for, for Toy and I and our family, we would never want life without the Sabbath again. It has changed us from the inside out to bear so much fruit in our lives. And I hope by the end of this lesson, you'll start to see why. So first though, what is the Sabbath? You know, Sabbath comes from the the Hebrew word Shabbat, which just means to stop or to cease. And, And so you take a full day to stop. So what is the Sabbath? It's a full day where you stop to rest and to worship. And so if we dive into each one of those, what is Sabbath rest all about? And you you might ask, well, doesn't that sound like the weekend or just another day off? And I ask that same question, yet I've realized it is so incredibly different than just a day off or the weekend. Because on Sabbath, you don't just stop paid work, but you also rest and stop from non-paid work. You see, usually our days off can just be filled with another huge list of to-do items for non-paid work, where we fill it up with balancing the budget and cleaning the house and doing the dishes and taking out the trash and mowing the grass and just becomes a whole nother day full of work. But Sabbath rest is when you rest not just from your paid work, but your unpaid work. And then, but what do you do with all that free time? 
well, you worship. And worship's all about feasting, okay? So first, you feast on God. And that's, Sabbath is so amazing because it gives you the space and creates so much space in your life for God. And all of us have something, a special way that's personal between us and God that really helps us connect with Him. And the truth is usually that 30, 45 minute quiet time before work throughout the rest of the week, it's, it, we don't have enough time to get that really special, intimate time with God. You know, for me, it's going down to the river, right? And, and I go and, and I go on a long hike and I explore with God. I, go, I feel like I'm going on an adventure with Jesus. And man, I go on a prayer walk and I sing. I take my journal, find some epic view to experience nature and to journal out with God. And, but during the work week, I don't have time for that. Sabbath gives me the time to go on that adventure and connect with God. So I feast on God. But there's another piece of feasting because I also think a misconception of Sabbath is the idea of, well, aren't you just supposed to become like a monk during Sabbath? Like, well, you fast all day, you just read and memorize scripture all day, you shave your head. Is that why you shave your head? No, but it's so much more than that. It's when you feast on what you delight in and what brings you abundant joy. And what I want to encourage you to do is to expand your view of worship. Yes, worship is digging into the scriptures, praying, singing. But worship is so much more than that. You know, we, we know from the New Testament, right, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Expand your worship to an, an, a long, enjoyable, relaxed dinner with your best friends and family where you get to experience those loving relationships and that fills you with a gratitude and worship to God. Or expand your worship to playing your favorite sport, going out and playing basketball with your best friends and going and grabbing a burrito afterwards. Man, that in so many ways is worship to, to sit and remember that God gave us our bodies, that God gave us food and created such incredible tastes for us to enjoy and for that to fill us with the gratitude and worship to God. See, our spiritual disciplines is so much broader than just these few things. So Sabbath is this day that we delight in our hobbies and what we love doing and, and just to remember that God has made something good in this world for us to enjoy. And that we do that for the entire day. And the great thing about Sabbath is that Sabbath establishes a rhythm of grace to your life. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. And out of that creates a rhythm of grace. Let's look at some more scriptures uh, to dive deeper into these concepts. So let's go back to the Old Testament. We're going to Exodus 20. And what I want to do is I want to look at both sets of Ten Commandments and the command of Sabbath there. So in, in Exodus 20, right, you know, God had just taken the Israelites out of Egypt and they're just right on the other side of the Red Sea and he's given them a new way to live through the Ten Commandments. And then right in the middle of that in verse 8 we see the command about Sabbath. And it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you will not do any work Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your female or, or male or female servant, nor any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
And so there's a couple things of interest here uh, with the command of Sabbath and the Ten Commandments. You know, one is if you notice and you read through the rest, Sabbath is actually the only spiritual discipline that makes it into the Ten Commandments. Not even prayer or reading or singing worship makes it into the, the Ten Commandments. But Sabbath does. Sabbath is also the longest commandment that God seemed to want to say the most about this command. And lastly, what's really interesting is that Sabbath is the only command that also comes with the why. And God gives the motivation behind it. And so if we continue in the next sentence in verse 11, here's the why to Sabbath. Because it's, it's just interesting. God doesn't say, you know, do not murder and here's why, or do not lie, do not uh, covet and here's why. But he does say, here's Sabbath and here's, don't do practice Sabbath and here's why. So in verse 11, he says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what's the motivation? What's the why that God gives to us about the Sabbath? He says, remember how I created the universe, that God created the heavens, the earth and sea back in Genesis one in six days and mankind all in six days. And on the Sabbath, he rested. There is this concept. I think we can have a little bit of pushback and we can say, well, I'm a type A personality. I love doing things. I love filling up my schedule and you have to go, God rested. Well, I, I, I'm a young mom and, and I got little kids all around the house. They can't constantly need me. And God rested. Well, I have a really demanding job and there's always emergencies and I, I constantly have things I need to do for that. God rested. And there's something so profound that we serve a God who rested and we're following his way. But what did God do with that time? He didn't stop because he was tired. Our God doesn't get tired. He stopped one because he was finished with his work. But before he jumped into the next thing, he took time to enjoy and to delight in his work. Remember, right? After he created the heavens and the earth and the animals and the, the sea and the sky, he goes, this is good. And then after he created mankind, he said, this is very good. And God delighted in his work. You know, in Isaiah, he, he expands on how Sabbath is supposed to be a delight. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, God, through the prophet Isaiah, says, If you, you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Man, Sabbath is this incredible day to delight. And just like God took delight in his creation that he made for us to also take delight in God's creation. And remember that there is a good creator that created this all for us. You know, in his book called Sabbath, Dan Allender put it like this. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delights. 
The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast and play and dance and make love and sing and pray and laugh and tell stories and read and paint and walk and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, to make it holy, because a day full of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Sabbath is this incredible day of delight. And if we practice it, we can start to experience that delight with God. But let's go back, you know, to another passage. In Deuteronomy 5, let's go to the second uh, place in the scriptures where we see the Ten Commandments. And we know that, uh, so it, now it's been 40 years. God took his people out of Egypt, he gave them the Ten Commandments, then they, it's gone 40 more years. And then now, right before they enter the Promised Land, God's reminding them of this lifestyle and giving them this Ten Commandments again. And so in Deuteronomy 5, you know what's interesting? All the rest of the nine commandments are almost identical to back in Exodus 20. But there's one command that's worded differently, and that's about the Sabbath. So let's check out what God changes here. In Deuteronomy 5 and verse 12, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, one, it's interesting, in, in Exodus 20, God says, remember the Sabbath. Here he says, observe the Sabbath. And that's kind of like observing a holiday. You can think of observing Christmas or observing Easter. It's, it's all the good of a holiday without all the craziness of family and the traveling and all, and all that stuff. But then also God gives them an extra motivation, and he adds another why to the table. Let's continue. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So we see here, God gives them another motivation and he's recalling them to remember Egypt. Why? Well, he's speaking to adults now that were either only children in Egypt or have been born after Egypt. And so they barely remember what it was like. So God's recalling them to remember what he saved them from, that their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents and generations before that were all slaves in Egypt. And he's saying, man, I saved you from that empire. And I want you to remember what I saved you from because the life of a slave is dedicated to work. The entire purpose and identity of a slave in Egypt was how many bricks you can make. And so if you made a lot of bricks, then you were a good still slave. And if you didn't make enough bricks, well, then you probably weren't worth keeping around. And so their entire identity was built around their production. How much they accomplished to make bricks was their only worth in life. And God is saying, man, I pulled you out of that for a reason, out of that culture for a reason. And on Sabbath, you remember that reason, that now God is saying you're not, your worth is not based in your work and your identity is not based in what you do, but it's based in who you are. And God's saying your identity and your worth is based in being my people and being sons and daughters 
of God. And if we fast forward till now, yeah, it might have a different title, but we still live in an empire. And it might not be the empire of Egypt, but the empire of America is where we live now. And yes, there are a bunch of privileges in living in a first world country that we enjoy. Yet, there is a, a culture of accomplishment that, that seeps into us. We live in a pervasive culture of accomplishment. If we do not resist it, it will overtake us. America is completely built around the culture of accomplish more and work based in your, ident your identity is in how much you make. In, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leader, Peter Cesario says it like this, Sabbath is resistance. It is counterculture. Our culture says we are defined by what we do, not by who we are. Sabbath says when you are not working, you are still God's beloved son or daughter. On Sabbath, we remember who we are before God is so much more important than what we do before God. And this, honestly, guys, it was the biggest revelation of the last year and a half for me practicing the Sabbath is that, man, I desperately want to feel indispensable. I want to feel needed. And so when I worked and accomplished a lot and I had a lot of success, it made me feel like I was good enough. It made me feel like I was worth something. It made me feel like this is my identity, is in my work. And yet again, there's nothing wrong with work. Work is actually good, but it needs to be put in its proper place. And what Sabbath has done is it's helped me realize, you know what? There's only one indispensable being in this world, and it's God. God has been doing a great job ruling and reigning and working in this world long before I came around. And on Sabbath, I cannot do any work and I can be with God and then to the depths of my soul still be filled with a purpose and identity that I am worth the blood of a God and that I'm a dearly loved son of God. It's been the greatest thing that Sabbath has given me, the greatest gift because we do live in a culture that is addicted to work and accomplishments and knocking out to-do lists. And in a humorous way, it, uh, John Mark Comer says this, you know, with this addiction that we have in our culture to work, maybe that's why God eventually has to command the Sabbath. Does that strike you as odd? It's like commanding ice cream or live music or beach days. You would think we'd all be chomping at the bit to practice the Sabbath. And so if you want to take this invitation from Jesus for ice cream or the beach day to experience the light in God, then what do you do? Let's talk about a couple practicals. You know, one, if you want to practice Sabbath, pick a day and time frame in the next week to practice the Sabbath. And this would be my encouragement is if you've never done this before, you don't need to start with 24 hours. You know, pick a 12-hour gap or a six or maybe even just a four-hour gap where you can rest and worship, and then plan it with a goal of over the next several weeks to do it at the same time to establish a rhythm of grace in your life. And then over a few months, then go from six to 12 hours. And then over a few more months, go from 12 to 24 hours. Number two, intentionally prepare. 
You see, Sabbath doesn't accidentally happen. In our culture, our pervasive culture, we accidentally get pulled into the addiction to accomplishment and work. But it takes intentionality to practice God's way of worship and delight. And so if you're going to Sabbath and rest, well, then all your non-paid work has to be done. And so your house, if you're a person that can't relax, if your house isn't clean, then you need to clean your house before Sabbath. And then you got to knock out the budget or you got to knock out the to-do list and the yard and whatever else it is so that you can actually rest and delight on the Sabbath. So intentionally prepare. And then number three, I just, you know, this concept of making lists. And I would encourage you to make two lists. One is an I will list. And then two is I won't list. So number one, and I will list, that's a list that, of things that you absolutely delight in. So if you could make your perfect day of all time, what would it look like? Who would you be with? Who would you spend time with? What would you do? Where would you go? What would you read? What would you watch? What would you eat? You know, Toya recently said, hey, babe, I, uh, I've decided every Sabbath morning we're having cinnamon rolls. And I went, can we have Sabbath two days a week? <laughs> it's just, man, what would be your perfect day? And, and write a whole list of that. And no, you can't do all those things every single Sabbath, but you can pick a few of them every Sabbath to delight in. And the second one is I won't list. And it's things that you won't do on Sabbath that's work to you. And so what's beautiful about Sabbath being rest and delight, that's so unlegalistic. It's so to your personality and your Myers-Briggs. And it's going to be different for everyone in their different season of life. And so figure out what it's going to be for you. But make a list of things that you won't do. Guys, through all this, Sabbath is an incredible invitation from Jesus to rest and to worship. Let's abide in Christ as we follow his way and practice Sabbath delight. Amen.